So for the benefit of the recording, I'll start afresh. So this morning we're going to be looking at sacrifice, the cost of loving others. And um, we've got our crew in Costa all split up, multiplied into three different groups. And they're going to be looking at uh, a different set of verses, all about sacrifice uh, being the way of love. And so I'm just going to read out each of the verses and then I'm going to go to the person on each table um, just for their number one kind of bit of feedback. So we don't want every little bit of conversation, just the main point that you felt like this said about love. And so the first group over here to the right, they looked at Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And so, Jonathan, do you want to just give us your group's feedback? I'll stand next to you for the mic. Um, the, some, some people looked at the whole context of this verse, because the original letter was a whole letter, and you'd have read the whole letter, you would have just looked at one couple of verses. And the key bit was a couple of verses later, where it says that God emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the, the heart of this is God's love and God's humility and God's serving and loving people. And this all flows out of it. Brilliant. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, right-hand side of the room. So that first verse, we see that basically the, the heartbeat of this is sacrifice. God sent his son to die uh, in, a, in a humble state so that we too could do the same, that we would think less of ourselves, so that we would treat others better than ourselves like God did to us. Uh, the next one, which is the middle part of the room, I've got a little bit of a larger chunk, Romans 13, 8 to 10. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments let me the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover, and what whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. Mike. Okay, right. Uh, first thing that um, came to us was the let no debt remain outstanding. Actually, it implies that actually we owe a debt to one another to love one another fully. Um, it's referring to the Old Testament um, with the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments about um, you should not commit adultery, etc., etc. And it just shows that love isn't a wishy-washy feeling here. That it's talking about it's talking about an, a positive um, action that you're going to do. You're choosing to love somebody. And to love them fully as, as, as yourself, um, to really make a decision that you are going to do no harm, but actually do good to that person um, to the best of your ability, mm. and to love them despite how they feel about you. Great, thanks, mate. So yeah, so again, the whole thing of loving your neighbour, it's not like, love, love your wife, love your kids, love your mum, love your dad, love your sister, love your best friends. But it doesn't say love your neighbour. Could be anyone, couldn't it? Could be people we really don't like because they, they're our noisy neighbours and they keep us up till three in the morning with their dog barking. Like, we, we kind of enjoy that at home. But it's like love your neighbour. Love your neighbour. And not just love them, but love them as you want to be loved. So we can see there's a, there's a degree of sacrifice that needs to take place 
for us to do that. And then Jitte, do you want to, um, your one? You had three verses. I'll just read them out. They're all in John. Um, the first one, a new command I give to you. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Then greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then the last one, which I'm sure we all know, is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes him in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jitak. Okay. So um, love each other like God loves us. We can show love to each other in different ways, um, just like God showed us love. Um, greater, the love is greater than anybody else's love. Uh, it's not selfish, it puts other people first. God was really humble in showing that love, and it cost him really dearly, so it wasn't a cheap sacrifice. He gave his only begotten. He gave his best. Um, love saves. There's great compassion in it because it says, for he so loved the world. He didn't just say he loved the world. He was trying to love the world. He said he so loved the world. I love the emphasis in that soul. He gave his only something that meant something to him. So he didn't just give. He, he had a thousand. He had angels who could have sacrificed to save us. But well, he didn't give his angels because they didn't mean that. They mean something to him, but not as much as his only son to die for us. Brilliant. Jitai preaching the gospel. I love it. It's great. It's brilliant. More, more, Lord. And so, just that, that verse, we, we often read it at um, Remembrance, sort of Remembrance Sunday. I love the verse Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. For one's friends, you think of in the war, the great wars that were well, not great, but you know the wars that have taken place, and uh, just that thing of brotherhood, and literally like taking, you know, taking bullets for one another. Um, we say it lightly, but you think of, of that men that haven't returned home because people have literally sacrificed them so that someone else could go home, and uh, that's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He literally took the bullets that we deserved. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, didn't just send him, but sent him to, as our substitute, to stand in our place, as our sacrifice. And so we can see in all of these verses that to love one another is very costly. I've got a friend, there's a, a, a relational mission church plant out in Gdansk in Poland, led by a friend of ours called Kevin, well a couple, Kevin and Emma Riley. And Kevin used to be at a church in Dartford, some of you may have met him before. But he's got this great phrase that's always just stuck in my head. That to be a Christian, there's a bit of dying that needs to be done. Like the thing of sacrifice, there's a bit of dying that needs to be done. Like we've heard from Holly this morning, there's a bit of dying that needs to be done. When we think about loving other people, it's incredibly difficult. It's easy to love people when they're really lovely and, and they, do all the, they do all the dying. So they're not pressing our buttons. They're, they're taking the lower position and we can just be ourselves, we haven't got to change. But what we see here from Jesus is that there's a bit of dying in us that needs to be done. God demonstrates his love to us in that he sent his son to do a bit of dying on our behalf. Uh, not just a bit, but a lot. And so I just want to read a verse that many of you would have heard, or a chunk of verses, uh, probably at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13. And I just want to speak through these using that as like the overarching encouragement of there's a bit of dying to be done. We can see that from the verses we've each looked at on tables. 
1 Corinthians 13, you might want to follow along on, in, on your phones if you've got it. Verse 1, we're going to go through to, to verse 8. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time unpacking it. Uh, we'll pray a prayer together at the end. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Or in other versions, love never fails. I just want to go back to verse 1, and I'm just going to go through and just pick out a few initial observations. And then I want us all to pray. So I don't know about you guys, when I read that list, I think... You know, like, is it a tick, ding or is it a, uh, uh, like, have I failed on that? And to be honest, all I hear as I read that is, uh, 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 and I'm sort of like, oh, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. And then I come out of church feeling like a worm, you know, and so that's not the heart of God, because we see Jesus on the cross, and we see the perfection of all of those, the tick, the tick, the tick, the tick, the tick. And we look at ourselves, and to be honest, we probably see all the stuff that's been heaped on Jesus and, uh, and we recognise it, but it's not, it's not actually on us. It's on Jesus. And what God sees is what's on Jesus, which is the tick, the perfection, his perfect son and the spirit in some strange ways dwelling in us, changing us from the inside out, sanctifying us is a theological term, making us more like Jesus day by day by day, but only really when we partner with him. We can grieve the spirit. We continue to live out of the We can choose to live out of the old self and kind of perpetuate kind of that way of living and we miss out on the grace of God but when we partner with God it's like it accelerates the process of God's grace in our life changing us to become more like Jesus and so when it says if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but I haven't got love and I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal I think here it's saying that you know we, we can put on a great show in church we can be speaking in tongues it even goes on next to talk about prophesying and having loads of understanding but when that's like a a loveless thing, when it's hard and rigid, when it hasn't got a heart for the very people that God's speaking to and trying to encourage by through the tongue and through the prophetic word, then it serves no purpose. Because all revelation is to reveal the love of God. God's love for mankind. John 3.16, the verse that Jitte was preaching from, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. This thing of love. It's the motivating, driving factor behind all that God does is love. So we can prophesy, we can speak in tongues, but if it's not directed to encourage other people, then what on earth is it for? I don't think really we're in that place, but I, I think of the letter, it's in this letter where Paul's speaking to the Corinthians, isn't he? And he's sort of saying, guys, like the way you do church is completely messed up. There are people missing out on communion. There's all sorts of things happening in the church that shouldn't be happening. And he's really having to address what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he's saying it here. You guys can be prophesying and speaking in tongues all you want, but you don't love one another. And I think there is some truth in that. Like, what does it look like for us to love one another? That heart of love. If I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, wow, what a puffed up guy I could become. If I haven't got love, it can become very rigid. Even if I've got great faith that can even move mountains, 
but I don't allow those that God's placing you up around, then actually you're not, you're not winning hearts, you're not winning minds, you're just, it becomes very slavish. I'm sure we've seen people that are all truth, but no love. There's a saying, isn't there, when it's all truth, it gets very rigid, when there's no love, but when it's all love and there's no truth, then it gets very woolly and mushy, and, you know, a bit kind of loose around the edges. And so we see in Jesus, perfectly embodied, both truth and love. Fully embodied. Not 50-50, a bit of this, a bit of that. 100% love, 100% truth. Whereas often I think in ourselves, we'll either see one where it's just like, oh, let's just love everyone. It doesn't matter what people get up to, and it becomes, oh, hang on, like theology starts to go out the window a little bit, the church starts to get really, really weird. Or we have the other one where it's all truth but no real heart for people and kind of the things that they're gravitating and they're working through their quests of faith or their questions don't really get met because it's very rigid. You've got to believe. You've got to know the truth. Turn or burn, baby. It's very like that, doesn't it? Some people like that. Then it says, if I give away all that I have, so if I'm super generous, I just give away all my resources. We see that in Acts 2, 42, 47. There's a famine going on in the land and they're, they're giving they're selling their fields and their resources and giving to one another wherever there's need if we do that without a heart for the people that we're giving to it becomes an act, it becomes a show it's an outward thing, devoid of any motivating thing which is the grace of God it just becomes an action that's disconnected from the heart of God we can be super philanthropic you know, I think of people like the Gates Foundation places like this where there's like loads of giving but it's completely devoid from the, the heart of God completely devoid of the heart of God it does great stuff but it doesn't reveal the kingdom of God and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, love I gain nothing so I could even be a martyr I could lay my life down for the cause of Jesus for the truth but if it's devoid of the love of God again it's just an act it's like some glorious kind of crescendo that actually doesn't reveal the heart of God it's, just, it's a self-serving thing and so there's this thing of like, either way, you might be able to see it here, there's a thread where all of these things are centred on the self, on self-promotion, on the outward appearance, on the giving, on the sacrifice, on the generosity, on the gifting, on the knowledge, on the wisdom. But what we see with Jesus is there's a sacrificial laying down of a life, there's a sacrificial giving, there's a sacrificial heart. And then we see what it's actually fleshed out in relationships, verse 4, Love is patient and kind. Oh, give me more of that, Lord. I'd love some of that. I'm sure my family would as well from me. Love is patient and kind. All the time. It does not envy or boast. Like Sometimes when we walk our dog, like the hackles go up on the dog, if you know what they are, like on the spine of the dog, the hair goes up when he sees another dog and he, he gets riled up. You're like, where's that come from? I find this in my own life. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. At times, there can be incredible ways of, of envy or wanting to self-promote or wanting to um, or impatience, just cruel responses. Just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Anyone ever felt like that? I won't look around the room. But sometimes you feel like you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and everyone's against you. you, you well, I was going to say you tuck your skirt into your underwear, but I don't wear a skirt. Um, sorry. But you, you know, but you go out, everything's just wrong. Everything about the day is wrong. You know, you're late for everything. Just like rushing from thing to thing. People are in, an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, Teresa. <laughs> you keep chuckling away there. The spirits at work. Yeah. 
But there's just this general sense of, of like, oh Lord, just can we, like Groundhog Day, can we restart? Can we just go back to the beginning and restart today? Everyone's an inconvenience, everyone's a problem. Just, oh, just I, don't, don't want, I don't want to deal with people today. And, 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 and the danger is like, we can end up living like that, can't we? But, like the days when that happens can end up becoming the days where that's like five, six, seven days a week rather than the odd one. And we end up living out of the, like this poverty of spirit. And somehow we look at Jesus, like there was chaos all around him, wasn't there? His, his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. They're even chopping people's ears off when they come to, you know, like if they hadn't figured out who Jesus was and what he was about, sort of come three years of living with him in 24 7, they're all like having arguments, they're not sure what's going on. Like guys are stitching him up for money and selling him out, guys are denying him at the cross. Like, if anyone could say, oh, I had it with these, these humans, I, I say that sometimes, oh, humans are so difficult. And then I think, oh, hang on a minute, like, what, well, what am I? I'm not, I can be a bit of a robot sometimes, but I'm one too. And it's, I said, everyone else, they're all pressing my buttons. No, it's probably, actually, it's, it's revealing something in me. How much does it take? How much pressure? How much disappointment? How much inconvenience does it take for us to start to fracture? And the love pours out of us, not in a good way, but it like spills out on the ground. We feel like we're empty, like a cracked well. See, in the Old Testament, the wells were meant to be a thing of blessing, a sign of blessing in the Old Testament. And actually, they all got cracked and all the grace fell out. You know, like they were useless. They were like cracked, polluted wells. We can become like that, can't we? We get fractured. Our love tank runs low, perhaps. Um, maybe it's because we're not feeling loved by other people. Maybe those that we've got around us in our life have let us down. We've heard that this morning from Holy's testimony. I'm sure if you ask Natalie on a, on a very bad day, it's like marriage counselling now, isn't it? But our love tanks can run low. There are times when we don't get what we need from other people. There are, t- there are conversations we have as a husband and wife where it's like, I don't feel very loved right now. I don't feel very heard. Have you ever felt like that in your family? I feel like, like those who are closest to me are the ones that are most against me. What's going on? It's not the truth, is it? But the enemy loves to convince us. This is what, what it looks like, isn't it? And then in the workplace, it can be the same. And in our wider family, it can be the same. And with the neighbours, it can be the same. And that's before we get to the people that are actually really against us. Do you know what I mean? Am I just, is this just like therapy for me? It probably is. You're all like, man alive, we need a new leader. <laughs> Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Oh, that's a weighty one for me. It's not irritable or resentful. Kids, I apologise for my irritability. It does not insist on its own way. Sometimes we want it all our own way, don't we? Natalie's loving this. She thinks it's amazing. It's probably the most honest I've ever been in. Ever. But are you feeling what I'm saying? Does it resonate or is it just me? It's not just me, is it? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Have you ever really, really smirked inside because something terrible has happened to someone that you really don't like? Maybe not terrible. Maybe they've just stubbed their toe. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> That's a small example. But sometimes, it, well, they had that coming, didn't they? They had that coming. The way they've been living, the way they've been treating us, they had that coming. I'm not helping them. We can get like that, can't we? And like this wrong thinking creeps in. But love rejoices with the truth. It loves the truth. 
It's like love and truth come together. They both celebrate and cheer together. They rejoice together. Love and truth rejoice together. We don't want just love. We don't want just truth. We touched on that. As we can see here, there's a bit of dying that needs to be done in us. To love like God loves. There's a bit of dying. Because all these things, sometimes we feel like we've got a right to feel like that. My dad left my mum, which he did do. When I, I didn't never knew him. Oh, I, I hate my dad. Oh, he stitched me up. He set my life up to be the wrong thing. We can all be like that. Sorry, I think the mics are going. But we feel like we've got a right, don't we? And you can end up finding some, some really bitter hearts. As grow, like, this is one of the things we've talked to our kids about. Don't let your past define your future. You can't let it happen. Jesus has given us a way out, the only way out really. That we can break free through the love of God. There's a rough dull book, I can't remember which one it is, but it talks about what happens to us when we become bitter for all our life. It talks about people with really jolly faces and they're just sort of living in the grace, well I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but living in the grace of God. Like they, they start to get joyful, they can you know, they can be overweight, they can be really old, it doesn't matter because the joy shines out of their eyes. But when we end up getting all bitter and we can't forgive, we can't love like God loves, it shows on us. It's like we, we shrivel up a bit inside and it shines through us. And what Jesus is trying to do is put his spirit in us, his love for the world and shine through us. Love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. So it puts up with a lot. How much? All things. Love puts up with everything. It doesn't break. It believes all things. So it's not looking for like, Lewis, what are you doing on your phone? You've been just on this? Right, show me what you're doing. I do a lot of that at home, don't I? But it believes all things. It believes people are being honest. It hopes all things. So it looks at a situation that might seem really like dire and it believes for the very best. It looks at a life that might seem really broken and it believes for the very best. And it endures all things. I've done a bit of long distance running, 100 kilometre events over a couple of days, things like that, back when I wasn't weighing as much as I do now. And that's a bit what you meant to say. Oh. But endurance is difficult. It's that long plod. It's not rewarding. It's flipping painful. You just go one step after another after another when it's not rewarding, but you know at the end of it there is a there's rest. It endures all things. Love presses through when it's painful. It presses through when it's difficult. It presses through when it's not rewarding. And it never fails. It never ends. It just keeps on going and going and going. The love of God never ever runs dry. It's never going to run dry like we prayed. You're never going to let me down. You're good. You're good. You're never going to let me down. The love of God never ends. And when we've got the Spirit of God dwelling in us, somehow we're able to love in that way. But if we think we're able to love in that way without the Spirit of God at work in us, we're going to find that we are like those cracked wells. We're going to shrivel up quite quickly. Because it's impossible, isn't it? This is an impossible love. If any of you have read that, I'm sure they're like, the is going off again and again and again. But we look at Jesus and we look at his Spirit and the promise is that we can love like this through the Spirit of God if we just give him freedom to move in our life and if we be obedient to the things that he invites us to do. And so if we can, I've just got a little prayer that's going to pop up um, that I'd love us to all read together. Now, for those of you a bit further away, it might be a bit small, um, but it is a bit small. But maybe those of you at the front, if we can all sort of just pray out together, you might want to just read it first to get an idea of what it says. 
But I'll just read through it. Maybe if you can all read along. So Lord, help us to love as you love. Fill us with your spirit so that we can choose what is best. We are weak, Lord. But we know also that even when we are weak, you are strong within us. Thank you that it's not all up to us. Thank you that you equip us to face each day with the power of your love, your forgiveness and your grace. We pray that our lives would be filled and overflowing with the power of your love so we can make a difference in this world and bring honour to you. We ask for your help in reminding us that the most important things are not what we do outwardly. It's not based on any talent or gift, but the most significant thing we can do in this life is simply to love you and to choose to love others. Amen. Amen. And so, Spirit of God, we thank you so much that you're with us and you live within us. Uh, Lord, we do pray for heavy hearts that you'll lift them up. Lord, we thank you that you're changing us from the inside out. And we pray, Lord, for opportunities this week to love people like you love us. Uh, Lord, and as we feel like we're running dry, that we would reach out to others who we know love us and who've got our backs and they'd encourage us as we feel like maybe we're falling short. Lord, thank you that you've given us one another and you've given us yourself and we're to love you with all our heart and to love one another as ourselves. And so, Lord, we look to you to do all that you want to do through us here in Sittamon for your glory, that you would reveal your kingdom and your son. Amen.